Good morning, troops. It is now 0700, and it's time to attack the enemy. Grease, grime, slime, sludge. And that's just Joey's room. <laughs> now, what is dirt? Dirt bad. I can't hear you. Dirt bad. Daddy's really into spring cleaning, isn't he? Steph, it may be spring cleaning to you and me, but to Dad, it's Christmas. Permission to whine? Permission denied. Get back in line, soldier. Yes, your spotlessness. <laughs> Look alive! Oh! Don't do that. She's having a beautiful dream. We hired a cleaning service. Hello and welcome to When We Were Young, the podcast that desperately needs a cheesy theme song of its own. Seth, can you write one for us? Um, obviously. <laughs> All right, get to work on that. I'm Becky, the podcast host, most likely to rock out with the Beach Boys. <laughs> I'm Seth, the host most likely to do that. <laughs> and I'm Chris, your podcast host, most likely to be catcalled by an unseen audience every time he enters a room. Ooh. <laughs> Aww. Aww. <laughs> We don't know what day you're listening to this episode, but we still want to wish you a TGIF because today we are going back to our childhoods and back to the suburbs to discuss ABC's TGIF programming block, specifically the shows Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, and Boy Meets World, though we'll talk about a few others as well. Dinosaurs! Dinosaurs. <laughs> We're going to talk about dinosaurs. We're not ending this episode without talking okay, about dinosaurs. Okay, we'll get to dinosaurs. So we'll be talking about those shows on this episode, but this episode also marks our third anniversary of When We Were Young. Happy Yay. anniversary! Yay. Aww. Aww. <laughs> it's a very special episode. So please stay after the end of our TGIF discussion as we take a look back at the best and the worst and the bright of Chucky of our last year of podcasting. <laughs> In a category far below the worst. <laughs> so before we start, Chris, I believe we have a new review. We do indeed. It is a 10-star review. <gasps> 10 stars? Is it two I, reviews on top of each oh other? Oh my god, you guys, I say five stars or more every time, but I don't expect it. There are only five stars attached to this, but it says it's 10 stars, so I, I assume that the remaining five stars are in the mail. Okay, great. I'm waiting for them. The title of this review is My New Favorite Podcast, 10 Stars. This comes to us from Pocomang. <laughs> the review says, I stumbled across this podcast after someone had posted a link to their Gremlins episode on a special effects page I followed on Facebook. I thought it was a fun show and decided to check out some more of their episodes. At first, I only downloaded the ones with the topics that interested me most, but then I ended up listening to all of them in order from the start. Whoa! Amazing! My new best friend. I work in visual effects, and so it is great to hear these fellow artists of the same super young age group as me. Thank you for that, too. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. This is like getting carted at Trader Joe's. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> These fellow artists of the same super young age group as me discuss and analyze all of this pop culture phenomena from our childhood onward. I want to thank Becky, Seth, and Chris for keeping me awake and laughing on my month-long road trip across New Zealand. Wow. Jealous. Wow. I'm very jealous. <laughs> and you are very bad at that accent. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm amazing. 
You three are lifesavers. I love how they don't always agree with each other and sometimes have completely polar opposite opinions. Buffy was a fun example. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Apology so not that, accepted. That means he agrees with us or she <laughs> agrees with us. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we have enough information to make that assumption. Okay. The playful teasing from these three good friends reminds me of sitting around talking crap with my friends about a lot of the same stuff. I'd like to suggest episodes on Indiana Jones and Back to the Future. You got it. We'll do that one day. Those would be great. Together. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a 20-hour episode. <laughs> I look forward to more episodes and more laughs. Keep it up, Paul. Aw, thank you, Paul. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Paul. Yes, that was a very heartwarming review. Oh, that's more Australian. <laughs> that's no, take that out. No more accents. <laughs> Especially in our most white bread episode ever. You got it, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that count as an accent? <laughs> so, thank God it's Friday, guys. That's not even what it means. Did you know that? I do recall them because I think they could not invoke the Lord's name. <laughs> so what do you think it is? Oh, I know what it is. Oh, what Seth, do you, do you know? Thank goodness it's Friday. Thank goodness it's funny. What? It's not that funny. N- no, I never. <laughs> no. That is it. I disbelieve you. Where did they define this canon? Where is this definition established? Wikipedia. (laughs) So after the success of Terrific Tuesdays and What a Wednesday at ABC. (laughs) What a Wednesday. Wait, you guys, shouldn't we go back and do those episodes? (laughs) Oh my God. I've missed whole days of the week here. The programming block marketed as TGIF, thank goodness it's funny, premiered on Friday, September 22nd, 1989. The first run of shows on TGIF were Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, and Just the Ten of Us. It was the first attempt at a major network to market an entire programming block to young viewers rather than just one specific show. TGIF dominated the 18 to 49 demographic for most of the 1990s. Eventually, ratings began to decline and TGIF ended its run in September 2000. It was revived in 2003, but only ran two more years, then was revived for a third time in 2018, and it continues to this day with a mix of sitcoms and game shows. The current lineup of TGIF is American Housewife, a show I have never heard of, Fresh Off the Boat, which I have, and a game show called What Would You Do? Let's uh, listen to some TGIF promos from back in the day. Oh, I remember this. It's Friday night, and the mood is right. We're going to have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. Hi everybody, I'm Candace Cameron from Full House. So, <laughs> that gives you a taste of TGIF through the years? Yeah, those early promos were definitely very memorable and very uh, time appropriate to the <laughs> early 90s. Oh my god, it it's funny, I didn't watch the promos leading into this, but those remind me of this even more than watching the episodes of the shows, Oh do yeah, the promos themselves... I don't have cable. <laughs> and I think a lot of young people, because we're young, mm-hmm. our friend Paul said so. We're, we're spring chicken. <laughs> it's been verified by independent parties. I think a lot of people don't have cable anymore, so they don't see these promos. And it's like a time capsule. And I know promos like this still exist because cable still does exist. And people, you know, they do make these promos. Um, but I feel like I haven't seen anything like this in well, years. Well, and it's like on any streaming platform, we all watch commercials, but they're not trailers for episodes of shows that are coming no, out. No, they're really not. Because everything's dumped by season now. You know, so yeah. there's nothing that's like that specific where it's like, this is not just to advertise the idea of the show, but this is what's coming up next on yeah. that show. Yeah, TV is so much more a la carte now where you exactly. watch, you know, one show on Netflix and then on Hulu and... You're not, it's not 
like you watch things where they are, but there's no identity to any kind of programming. And maybe it'd be kind of interesting if, I don't know, Netflix did try and be like, here's our <laughs> four series block. I don't know. It's such a time capsule of that time where we all lived in different states across the country. And yet we all remember those promos. And where appointment viewing was actually a thing yeah. that existed. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it was like things were broadcast on a specific schedule. Yeah. Like that just does not exist in that form anymore. No. I want to talk about Jesse Frederick. He is responsible for writing and performing the themes to Perfect Strangers, Full House, Family Matters, and Step by Step. Yes, just one man is responsible. He pumped out all those jams. Yes. They're all so different sounding. How could one man have (laughs) composed all of them? Look, we can't say just one man did. We can't say he just used the same keyboard and instruments for every single show. (laughs) I thought it was important to bring him up because the theme songs to these shows are as as much a part of it as the catchphrases in these shows. Yeah, they are uh, <laughs> inescapable. And I also like if you start singing one, it will usually take me five to ten seconds to remember which of the shows it is because they are all so generic. <laughs> yeah, the lyrics for the most part aren't super specific to the show. Did you watch TGIF growing up? And if so, did you have a particular show that you were really drawn to that was on the lineup? This was appointment television for me. And I remember being genuinely excited for this night, at least for a window of time in my young years. It was a family ritual. I don't know if, like, my entire family watched it all together, but I I do remember a sense of, like, the TV was on at this time. Most of us were watching it, if not all of us. And it was really fun for some reason at this age to be gathered around the television and having a collective feeling. At the time, you felt like everyone was watching these shows all at the same time. Like, you could bring it up at school and people would be like, of course I saw that last night. Like, that's what was on the television. Obviously, at this time, like, there were, like, three other channels to choose from, for the most part, in terms of, like, primetime programming. So, only one of those was likely to be something that, like, kids would watch. So it was, like, in a sense, a water cooler moment. And yet, I don't remember actually ever talking about these shows, because I don't know that there was anything to discuss. (laughs) Wasn't, like, lost or anything. (laughs) No. I was so excited to do this episode of this podcast, because TGIF is a thing that had not entered my conscious mind in literal decades. I remember how much time I spent watching these shows. I don't remember ever discussing them independently with any other person, even though I know and I knew at the time that everyone else was watching this. And what I realized rewatching these shows, I realize now that my appointment in that viewing was just sitting down and watching TV and kind of vegging out for a couple hours at a stretch, eating Friday night dinner with my parents. We were all done with our weeks. I was done with school, you know, which is a kind of work because it's a very set schedule and you have to do a lot of homework and like, you know, so you kind of had that structure of a week and it was that thing to kind of decompress at the end of your week, which is strange to think about because I was definitely a child at the time, But I feel like it served the same kind of function for kids and adults, which is to just kind of turn your brain off and watch TV. But I, that said, I watched the absolute shit out of TGIF. Chris, like you, there was a very specific cutoff time beyond which I just completely tuned out. 
and I'm now fully aware that it went on for many years after. Interesting to hear that it got reincarnated as a concept later on, because I, I don't remember either of those times happening. I don't remember it ever getting rebooted. But like SNCC, it was very much a product of appointment viewing and like that idea of like being really into a block of television rather than just one specific show. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely other nights that I watched shows and there were other shows I liked better than these shows. Like I know I was a really big Home Improvement fan. That was on Tuesdays. Yeah, that was was the real water cooler show and people would talk about that the next day. I I don't think so, Tim. (laughs) This episode is going to be filled with enough catchphrases (laughs) that we don't need to bring them from outside shows. I don't know if there was ever like a perfect lineup of TJF because I feel like there was always at least one filler yeah. show in there. But like for some reason, it was like the full two hours and you could just like watch those two hours. And on other nights, I feel like it was like you would tune into one program, but then like the next show would be Mad About You or something where I was like, that's too adult for me when I was a kid. Like, and I wouldn't want to watch that. So you'd like flip to another channel. And so there was something about this that it was just like, it was very clearly like always going to be like four shows that you could watch with your family. And even if they weren't the best shows like they were all kind of the same you know the same tone like you it wasn't something that you had to turn the channel away from because it was like too mature for you or something i guess maybe that's why it really is distinct from other nights of television even though obviously every night had the same hours of programming and different shows i found that i I probably liked even at the time, the ritual more than I liked the shows themselves. And I definitely remember gradually feeling like I was outgrowing them long before I actually stopped watching them. And I I think there was an ironic appreciation of them even at the time. I don't know that I was ever moved by Full House. I think I always felt that it was cheesy and that that was kind of part of the enjoyment of our family was to an extent maybe kind of making fun of them a little bit, even if it wasn't... You mocked the Tanners? Super outright, but I think my family was always like, yeah, that's cheesy, you know, like, but it's fun. I loved TGIF, and I think hearing what you said, Chris, like, I think I liked the ritual of it even more than the shows in it. I don't think I ever watched this with my family, like, maybe my sister when we were young enough to both appreciate it, but it wasn't like the whole family's gathered around the TV. I do remember looking forward to Friday, almost like a date night where you're like, we get to do this thing tonight, and I would like going over to my friends' houses and watching TGIF with them. So it was almost like the equivalent of like going out to the club, (laughs) you know, but you're not. (laughs) You're going, but you're going somewhere different. You're going to someone's house and it's, everything's different and exciting. Either way, you're getting roofied. Yeah. What kind of house, <laughs> what sleepovers did you have? Don't remember. <laughs> God. <laughs> I was very pure and innocent, like, in my recollection of my TGIF days, so. I'm sorry, I brought it to a, a <laughs> really? TVMA level. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I always watch the shows, and except maybe the 930 show might be, like, the new one that is is obviously not going to be around for long, and maybe I'd, like, shower then or get my... What was that, like, ten kids in a duffel bag? <laughs> what was that show called? Just a ten of us. <laughs> I've never heard of that. duffel bag. <laughs> That's not a real show. That was just... Someone CGI'd that in there. Yeah, well, I think I would, like, get my homework done or, like, get ready for the next day, and then I would watch 2020 after. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I did too. I for sure watched 2020 after. <laughs> oh, I guess it'd be Friday. It wouldn't be homework. I was probably just showering or just putting my pajamas on then. <laughs> yeah, 2020 was part of the lineup. Speaking of Seth, I want to go through some shows and you tell me if you have heard of them. <laughs> Obviously, you have all heard of Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers. 
Oh, yes. absolutely. That was before my time a little bit. And so it, it, I was surprised that it was part of TGIF because it always felt like a more adult show. I've, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it, so I don't actually know, but it felt it, more mature. And I've seen many episodes of it, but I had no idea it was part of TGIF. Mm-hmm. That's really weird. Dinosaurs. Watched every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> Billy. No. Which apparently never heard of this. <laughs> Billy Connolly, who was a tremendous <laughs> Scottish comedian, just a genius. I had no idea he ever had like a primetime sitcom. That's bizarre to me. It looks like it lasted a year. So <laughs> um, I'm amazed it lasted that long. Baby talk. Did not know about that at all. So that's the Look Who's Talking uh, sitcom based off Look Who's Talking. Isn't it weird that they wouldn't just call it Look Who's Talking for the name recognition? Yeah, they called it Baby Talk. Our second anniversary episode covers Look Who's Talking in that original series. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I watched that I show. I did, yeah. I was fond of that, I think. I, w- I had benign feelings. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Definitely watched that. Mm, I mean, I did watch it, but that was at the point when I felt like, oh, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I think I was too. Getting by. No. What? No. Where I live. <laughs> no. Camp-, huh? Camp Wilder. Oh, wait, that sounds familiar. It just makes me think of Van Wilder. I have no idea what that is. It aired for a year. <laughs> you wish. Nope. Teen Angel. Again, yes, these all yes. sound like these sound like just <laughs> 90s song titles. Two of a kind. Again. Brothers Keeper. Two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Oh yeah. <laughs> sister, sister. Oh, I watched that. Mm-hmm. Sister, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Did I miss one? Odd Man Out. Nope. The Hughleys. Oh, the Hughleys? Like yeah. DL and and other. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, and then we get into, like, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire started on TGIF. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So they started, like, putting in, like, America's Funniest Home Videos. I think mm. the, the magic was gone. Yeah. Well, America's Funniest Home Videos was a gigantic hit. But not at this point. It was a hit when we were little, and this is, like, 2000. Yeah, that was and... definitely Sunday nights. I, yeah. I, can, oh, I remember okay. very distinctly. Okay. Wow, there was a season where they just put on repeats. It doesn't even say what show, it just says repeats. <laughs> and there's a whole year here where it was just Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Wow. Wow. Shark Tank, Super Nanny. Wow. So it just became a branding exercise. Shark Tank, Beyond the Tank. Yeah, then it wasn't <laughs> Beyond really Beyond like, the Tank? Is the shark on land? <laughs> what Would You Do is not even happening anymore. Now it's just two hours of 2020. <laughs> so I think when people think of TGIF, they think of Full House, so let's start there. Full House was created by Jeff Franklin. It premiered September 22nd, 1987, and aired its final episode May 23rd, 1995. So that's eight seasons. Full House stars Bob Saget, John Stamos, Dave Coulier, Candace Cameron, Jody Sweeten, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, and Lori Loughlin, who's been in the news recently. Aunt Becky, who knew? <laughs> the dark side. The premise of Full House is... After the death of his wife, Danny Tanner, and his three daughters, DJ Stephanie and Michelle, share a house with his aspiring rocker brother-in-law, Jesse, and his childhood best friend, Joey. It's a full house. (laughs) The full house went off the air in 1995. Um, It still, you know, continued to be a pop culture nostalgic thing for people our age. Full House was followed many years later, actually 11 years later, by a sequel show in 2016 on Netflix called Fuller House that follows DJ and her children. Um, And I think Kimmy Gibbler is there and Stephanie. Olsen twins don't make an appearance, I don't believe. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're Um, busy that day. Yeah. um, They're too rich. They don't care. Yeah. But Aunt Becky's still on the show. Not anymore, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> she was in the first season. Um, here is Carly Rae Jepsen of Call Me Maybe fame singing the theme song. What are the lyrics to that song? I don't know. <laughs> no I, I think knows. that you. I think you do. I think you do know. I think you know. All right, listeners. <laughs> she brought this upon herself. We are going to share a story. I don't know how long ago this was. A really long time ago. <laughs> long, long time ago. <laughs> we were, for some reason, discussing the the opening song to Full House, and uh, <laughs> Becky. Sing along. And and what did she sing? I can't do it without laughing. Sing it, Becky. Sing it. Whatever happened to I thought he was scatting. I could never understand what he was saying. Yes. Why why do you think this has been so funny for the last 18 years I've known you? I don't know. It is funny. I I'm almost certain that our uh, listeners will agree. <laughs> if you're not dead right now, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Whatever happened to d- dip d- dip leaves has been a running joke for most of our friendship and never fails to bring a smile to my face. <laughs> and it should be testament to the power of D-Dip that I was not even originally a part of it, and yet it reduces me to spasms of laughter. Can we just listen and see that he's mumbling? <laughs> yes. He's mumbling. <laughs> oh, I think he's singing to dip to dibblies very clearly. He's enunciating it. <laughs> I think you're right, Becky. I think. I, I think it is the perfect, you know, generational question. <laughs> Whatever happened to the dip the dibbleys? We all have that moment in oh our lives God. where we ask ourselves. Are you satisfied now? <laughs> yes. We can end this episode now. That's that's all I needed. So what did you guys think of watching Full House again? <laughs> well, I was relieved to find that the show, even as an adult, did not answer the question, whatever happened to the dip to dibbleys? It remains a mystery. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. This is not a surprise <laughs> to me. Uh, this is a cheesy show. Oh my God. Um, I watched the pilot episodes of all of these in addition to the episodes that we kind of specifically selected to watch. And it was all there from the beginning, which is to say that there was not much there from the beginning. <laughs> it feels to me like a show written by aliens. Like, <laughs> that it vaguely resembles human behavior, but also there's something off like with all the performances like they're all just very unnatural like they're, they're clearly like mugging for the camera mm-hmm. um that and, is the most perfect description for that i <sighs> and yeah it's just like it uh, like even other cheesy sitcoms which i think we'll talk about more um as we go on but like 
just better approximate humanity. And this one just is just, like, who are these people? Like, they do not feel like the people that you know. They vaguely remind you of what human beings do and say, but somehow, no. Like, it's just, it's very unnatural and kind of unsettling. And, And yeah, like, watching too much of it, and I didn't watch too much of it, but... I mean, I did. It was too much. <laughs> but I watched, like, maybe three or four episodes. And oh. it was just, like, I was slipping into an alternate reality and, and losing my grip on what the real world is like. Yes. I mean, I, I would not blame anyone who tried to make a conspiracy theory out of the existence of TJIF as a form of mind control. This was clearly written by either sentient cyborgs sent from the future to destroy us or some alien species. It has only a passing understanding of humanity there are no characters really in any of these shows there are some catchphrases and occasionally the catchphrases are fun there are theme songs which are iconic in their own strange brainworm way but again also as we've said have a kind of complete similarity to themselves and and are not really distinguished from each other at all it was strange but in particular like i think full house was absolutely like unimaginably bad there's not a single authentic laugh in the whole thing and i watched a couple more episodes than becky prescribed to us because I had to kind of verify that it was this detached from any kind of human comedy. Not only every single actor, but almost every single moment is mugging for the camera, but in a way that, like, isn't saying that it's, like, breaking the fourth wall. The laugh track just is completely substituting for anything approaching a punchline genuinely landing. There is no real, like, setup and punchline formula to the way the jokes work. And to me, this time, the thing that stuck out the most was how it's a show about three men sharing a house together in San Francisco, and yet there's supposedly nothing gay about any of it. It's just so strange because, like, from a 2019 context, nothing about this show makes sense. And yet I can only remember it as being a gigantic hit that obviously was enough of a hit to, like, bring back for a nostalgia reboot. So I watched one episode. (laughs) And maybe this is coming from somebody who only watched one episode, but it was almost endearing how cheesy it was. (laughs) I almost can see why people would like watching this ironically. It's like the epitome of what the cheesy family sitcom is. So it's almost fascinating to watch now. I really like the show BoJack Horseman, which is on Netflix. And the entire time I'm watching Full House, I'm like, well, this is horsing around. (laughs) Like the show that BoJack starred in in the 80s that is about him taking care of three, three orphans. Like that is what it is making fun of is Full House. Yeah, and and I was going to try to sit on this for at least another show. (laughs) But, I mean, BoJack Horseman ruined all of these shows for me because it is literally what the the fake sitcom on BoJack Horseman is making fun of. Yeah, specifically. Is that kind of completely, like, they're only characters by virtue of the fact that they're acute child actors and like yeah they're like precocious actors with, with catchphrases and well yeah but i find that this one is more sinister in some way <laughs> there are a lot of cheesy sitcoms and maybe just the fact that this one somehow lasted for eight seasons and wasn't canceled mercilessly after the first episode but something about it just 
feels intentionally alien and 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 saccharine like i feel like you almost have to like try to write something this bad that it's not just inept it's not that like the jokes are not even jokes they like feel like they vaguely resemble a setup and a punchline but they're not actually like even funny like and they don't it's, it doesn't seem like other bad comedy writing where you're trying to be funny it doesn't it just doesn't feel like they're trying if not written by aliens maybe it was written by like spam bots that were like ingesting other scripts of comedies that had been written previously and kind of regurgitating their own AI version of it. Yeah, because it feels like it was executed to the intention of someone, like that this is what they were going for, not just that they like missed the mark on like bad performances or bad writing, but it feels like this is the show they were trying to make. But why were they trying to make it like this? Why, why were you doing that to me? Yeah, I mean, I could only stand one episode. The episode I watched was the one where Stephanie drives a car into the kitchen. Honey, I broke the house. Honey, I broke the the house. house. Um, I, I picked that one because that was the, when I think of Full House, it's either I think of the Beach Boys or I think of that episode. Um, And it actually turned out to be a good example of the show because Stephanie learns a lesson. There's, there's catchphrases. There's. Like, everybody has a moment to, quote-unquote, shine. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, are there catchphrases. Like, just in this episode, they, like, trot them all out in, like, almost Rapid one succession. after another. Does he say oh, have yeah. mercy in this one? Yes. There's literally a, there's a you got it, dude, and then, like, it's the next scene where there's a, whoa, baby, and then a have mercy, like, right afterwards. And it's just like, oh, my God. Have mercy. They're not for you, huh? Oh, oh, oh watch the hair. <laughs> Bada bing, we'll see you in the morning. Thank you. You are not welcome. Gotta do. I'm not. You're in big trouble, mister. Whoa, baby. No way, Jose. Duh. Oh, please. You got a bad attitude. She's going to have a cow. Tell me something I don't know. How rude. We'll pin a rose on your nose. Hot dog. Cool. Double cool. They're catching all over the place. (laughs) Can you think of a show that is literally on today where there's a catchphrase? I'm very happy that it is very hard for me to think of one. I think SNL was the last show that lived and died on catchphrases. But I think even SNL totally moved away from that. Yeah, they don't really do that anymore. In the 90s, like even through until the late 90s, like I feel like some of the Will Ferrell characters, maybe some Tracy Morgan ones had some catchphrases here and there. But that's not like a thing now. Not at all. The closest thing I can think of is like Bazinga. Isn't that like a Big Bang Theory thing? You're fired. Oh, it's not a sitcom. But that's like the last TV. (laughs) Her life is a sitcom. Yeah, that is a a sitcom. And that's also like the last huge TV catchphrase I can think of. Well, no, it's true. It's actually, it has migrated into reality TV. Like a lot of the um, Mm -hmm. reality shows have catchphrases. Absolutely I mean, that's true because they do like have very set like (laughs) things like, you are the star baker. I don't know why that thing came to mind recently. This just (laughs) makes me think of Queen of Jordan from 30 Rock. (laughs) (laughs) It's my way till payday. 
<laughs> but this show, yeah, like something about it feels like they like wrote the catchphrases in first and then wrote the episode around it. They're just like, here's our have mercy scene. What's going to happen? Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like a very hot take to say that like Full House is <laughs> dumb and, and, and simple and cheesy. But like, there's something distinctly different about it than like the other shows that we'll talk about. And pretty much any other show, like I can understand what you're saying about it feeling comforting in a way to have something that's this kind of banal to like yeah retreat not for into. me but i understand if somebody's like i want to just put on full house and just lay in bed and just chill and they're like you know college age or, or older there's some comfort in just how stupid <laughs> it is and how you really can turn your mind off and just look at cute kids spouting catchphrases I do think this show is doing something deeper than that, but I think it's a thing that all the other shows are doing too. So like, I'll talk more about it in those other shows. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) What other episodes did you watch? Seth, did you watch any others? I watched several other episodes. They're all blending together (laughs) right now. (laughs) I watched season seven's Fast Friends, which is the first Full House episode that comes to mind for me when you mention the show. I'm surprised that I was watching it by season seven, but apparently I was. Oh, I watched it to the bitter end. Yeah, I guess I did too, because this one ended before like some of the other ones that we're going to talk about. It's the one where Stephanie befriends a girl, and that girl, one of her friends, is played by um, Marla Sokoloff, mm-hmm. who for some reason is super memorable to me as a 90s star, maybe because of the scenes. Anyway, and they are all smoking in the bathroom, and oh, Stephanie yeah. has to choose whether or not she's going to smoke. Spoiler, she does not choose to smoke after a heart-to-heart. Yeah, um, I think this episode <laughs> jumped out to me because it did feel genuinely scandalous at the time. Mm. This was like 94-ish, probably like the year before it ended. I was like 11 and I didn't see kids smoking and it was very shocking to see because like at the time advertising around anti-smoking was very intense and smoking seems like pretty much the worst thing you could do. Like Stephanie could have like shot a toddler in the face and it would have been the same amount of shock. Did you not have a lot of people your age who were smoking when you were growing up? No, pretty much no one in my life smoked at all. It was okay. very alien to me at the time. Yeah. It, it, it was something that bad kids did and bad people did. Yeah, I did remember that show, like, before I rewatched any of it. Like, that was one of the episodes that I remembered. And I did have several people in my life who smoked when I was growing up, including people who were my age who smoked. But it was still kind of surprising to me, because it was also, like, surprising when people my age were smoking. Another episode I watched, I did not actually watch the whole episode, but I did watch this clip. Healthy feet, healthy feet, healthy feet. You'll be able to water ski without skis. <laughs> Do you have this for Michelle in a larger size? <laughs> Guys, the Olsen twins are worth a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how long we would take to mention that. <laughs> yeah. So they started off on the show as a baby. They played one baby. And yeah, like kind of became the like at least in the later seasons, I feel like Michelle was definitely like sort of the central figure of the show. Oh, even early on. I think she is, like, the center of the sh- I think she's the reason for the show existing. <laughs> we just watched a clip from My Left and Right Foot, a, I believe, season God. seven, possibly eight episode, where 
the plot line is that Michelle believes her feet are too big and has a dream sequence in which her feet grow and fill up the full house. Um, (laughs) I also watched the season finale of the show in which Michelle gets amnesia and forgets all of the family. Is that the series series finale? Yes. The series finale? I gotta say, that wasn't good, but I was watching it, and I was I was ready to watch more. It's like watching a bad movie that's so bad, it's, like, compelling. That's kind of what I'm getting from Full House. No, I'm not getting Trainwreck. I don't want to see more of the cars glide into each other. I really yeah, don't. It's not, I don't. It's not that it's bad. It's... It's, it's alien. Just, yeah. It is, there's just something that is very distancing in watching it. It's not subtle. <laughs> The nuance. (laughs) (laughs) The subtext is about the breakdown of the American nuclear family Mm -hmm. in the face of capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so, like, the show is infamous for its, like, endings where the music cues in and, like, someone says a heartwarming lesson. It's always, like, one of the guys to one of the daughters. And... And that. It's weirdly emotional for something that feels so synthetic. Yeah, it's very, very genuine. You but don't it's think... not genuine. Well, the it's lessons very, are genuine. And... It's synthetic. It is saccharine, but in a way that's so overtly plotted right. that there's like literally a music cue when the emotional moment is going to yeah, happen. It's like predictable. I would be very surprised if there was ever like a two-parter because they want to wrap it up in a half hour. They want you to feel closure at the end. I mean, I guess it works in that goal of not making you think and everything having closure. And I guess that's what people wanted for a while because it was a big hit. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe like when you're 10 and you're watching TV with your family, you you don't want to be moved or amused. <laughs> you just want to sit stone-faced for two hours. Well, and, and also when you're like a late 30s, uh, soon-to-be baby boomer, you want to turn your brain off. Your kids are obnoxious. and I can't uh, imagine like being a parent and watching this every week. No. But I guess you had less options. And... I mean, I actually was thinking about this like, I didn't grow up watching stuff with my, my parents really, like TV shows. But like, I would do that. But I wouldn't watch that. Like, I'd hope we find something that is family friendly, but not something that there's there's nothing for me as the adult. I don't I don't think that existed though. <laughs> and I'm sure there are Hell shows Razor. like this, but like the equivalent of Pixar movies is that there's definitely something for adults, there's something that kids can enjoy, like something like that. I would totally watch that with my kids, whatever that is TV show wise. But I feel like this is just like there's not it might be amusing for kids, but there's nothing there for adults. And yet, like <laughs> and yet. for the adults who grew up on this, there are a lot of people that are like watching these episodes and Fuller House. Yeah. I don't know how many people that is, but enough. People have an appetite for this for whatever shocking reason <laughs> it may be. <laughs> On the newspaper page, and love and tradition of the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these chisel walls. Cause all I see is a tower of dreams, real love bursting out of every scene. 
Family Matters was created by William Bickley and Michael Warren. It premiered September 22, 1989, and aired its final episode July 17, 1998. The show ran eight seasons on ABC and one final season on CBS. The show starred Reginald Vell Johnson as Carl. You may remember him as the cop in Die Hard. Always a cop. He's a cop. Revisit our episode. Joe Marie Payton as Harriet. Darius McCrary as Eddie. Kelly Shanine Williams. I don't know if I'm saying that right. As Laura. Jamie Foxworth as Judy, who has written off the show in season four. You know, just little sister. Bye. She went upstairs forever. <laughs> yeah. Rosetta Lenoir as Mother Winslow and Jaleel White as Steve Urkel, the next door neighbor. Urkel was introduced halfway through season one and quickly became the focus of the show. The series revolves around the Winslow family, a middle class African-American family living in the suburbs of Chicago. There's not much more to it than that. <laughs> no. Um, it was like, So it was a spinoff of... Perfect Strangers or something? I think so. I think it yeah, was Perfect Harriet Strangers. Winslow was an elevator operator in that show. And having not seen it, I don't I don't know how pivotal that character could possibly be. I watched a lot of that show. I do not remember her being on that. But for some reason, you know, like, she's funny. I guess I can see why you would want to build a sitcom around her. Although then they kind of didn't because she's, <laughs> she's sort barely, of a side character. Yeah. Especially as it goes on. So I, like I said, I watched the pilots for all of these shows. So I'll start there. <laughs> this was a pretty decent pilot. The plot of the pilot is that Mother Winslow, the grandmother of the kids in the show, and Carl's mom is, like, wanting to move in, and Harriet is all welcoming, and and Carl is, like, afraid that his mom is gonna start taking over the household, and she does. And so it's just, it's very, like, relatable family shenanigans. And it was just a really appealing family, like, it was, like, good characters. Carl and Harriet had good chemistry. It was funnier than Full House. It wasn't, like, laugh-out-loud funny, but I was like, okay. So I was surprised, because I didn't not remember any of this show before Urkel, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I watched it at this point. Um, But yeah, they were just, you know, like appealing people. And then um, I watched the episode that uh, we were assigned (laughs) by Becky. I believe it was, I forgot the episode name, but it was where Steve wants to learn how to drive um, to impress Laura. The episode title is called Driving Carl Crazy. (laughs) Oh my Very God. distinguishable from other episodes of the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> in which that is the plot line of every single episode. It was hard to get through. I did not watch any more of this after this episode because I, I could not. Chris, I could barely get through this episode. I could barely get through this one too. I... And it was surprising to me. Steve Urkel is so fucking irritating. <laughs> But I have to hand it to Jaleel White for committing to character, at the very least. Hi, Laura. (laughs) I hear you can't get a date for the dance. So you want to go with me? Take a hike, Urkel. She'd rather eat worms. Okay, some other time then. But, oh, oh my God. man. It also made me have the thought of, like, if I donned those suspenders, if I had reached that level of fame, I would have hung myself with them. <laughs> God. Like, as an actor, how could you do a performance that is that one note for that long? Well, so, yeah, the character was supposed to be in one episode, and it feels perfect for that, because you, you yes. cast, like, this weird nerdy guy, and you're like, ha-ha, and then he never comes back. One and done. Wait, and, or once in a while, or once You would want to do yeah. that character to be that broad, because this is a sitcom. But to base a whole show around him, I mean, obviously they were responding to 
audiences liking him. The show went on forever. Obviously, people enjoyed this character, and I don't know how. I don't know <laughs> how you would willingly spend more and more time with this character every week. It was tough to get through 22 minutes. Was there more fluoride in the nation's drinking water? <laughs> Were we more susceptible to this somehow? Yeah, I wrote, I can barely get through the first act without wanting to turn this off. It was unwatchable. And he would have been fine as a side character, but basing the whole show around him, it it just didn't work. Like, it just made it so grating. There's nothing there. That's the thing is, like, the character doesn't have any depth to him. I don't know if maybe, like, I'm sure that there are some attempts at it somewhere. And I know that he played, like, his, like, hot alter ego, Stefan. and Arkel. Yeah, and a cousin, a female cousin character, I think. Oh, God, I forgot about that. So, I mean, I know that they rounded him out somehow, and he got to do some other things, but just the character, at least in this episode, like, had no depth. I don't think you ever meet his parents, and it's kind of, like, mysterious who his family really is, and it's just, he's a nerd, and I guess, like, I remember him inventing things, so I guess he's smart, but he just feels so, like, do they even go to school? Like, I don't remember ever seeing a school episode of this show. I don't know. I must have, right? But it was like all at the home to me. Yeah. To me, that whole show took place at home. Yeah. I remember there was a diner, like they hung out at a restaurant later and would have like pep rallies at the restaurant. (laughs) But (laughs) as you do. It just feels so divorced from any kind of real life and like I don't know that you really ever see Carl at work. I think there's a couple episodes where maybe like Urkel goes on a ride along with him or something like that. But like it's just so divorced from any kind of real like sense that these people are in the world. It was so strange to me. I did not remember the grandma character at all. That's more testament to the outsized caricature that is Steve Urkel. But I find the story that's in the pilot to be more intentionally a story about blended family. And it's kind of like mindless when it comes to Steve Urkel. And obviously it is entirely mindless and they found what appeared to be that pleasure button and just mashed it until it was unrecognizable. What really didn't hold up to me was that I don't think it's funny for a guy to obsess over a woman who repeatedly turns him down even if that person is a giant geek. Yeah. Like it was uncomfortable the amount of time Steve was just like go out with me, go out with me, go out with me and Laura's like no, no, no and this is like eight seasons of this. He's like he's an incel. He's a (laughs) proto-incel here. Like and and he clearly does not respect her very clearly expressed wishes not to be romantically involved. And yeah. the show ends with them together, of course. Oh, does of it? Course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Well, the last episode uh, is Urkel in space. He literally goes oh, yeah. into space. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do want to say that Judy... <laughs> became a running joke with my family because we noticed that she disappeared and we were always just like where's judy she went upstairs and richie grew up like real fast richie grew up real fast they always do (laughs) yeah i mean obviously these sitcoms are not great with continuity but like to just like disappear a child i don't know it seems like problematic like just at least have her go to boarding school or something right that was yeah they were just like whatever we'll tell the we'll tell the audience how to feel (laughs) like there was there was no daughter (laughs) you do not remember seeing a daughter And also, like, speaking of catchphrase-based comedy, this episode in particular had a lot of the ones that I remembered, like, 321123, what in the heck is bothering me? Mm. It's not even funny. It just, like, stuck in my head as, like, oh, that was a catchphrase that that show had. Right. Like, I mean, same with Full House, but, like, did I do that? Could be funny in, like, 
one or two contexts, but it's not funny, like, all the time. And it's just like, why not write a different joke for this episode? (laughs) Like, it's just a weird concept that just saying the same thing over and over again is supposed to be funny. And it's not even, like, I don't think people laugh like that's funny. They just kind of chuckle with recognition. Like, somehow just, like, recognizing that that's a thing is somehow supposed to be, like, comforting and and It almost sounds like they're chuckling recognizing that a laugh track is playing under them currently. (laughs) It was actually re-watching Family Matters that I started to realize what was uh, going on under under the surface of all of these sitcoms um, is that thematically every single one of them is about the heteronormative uh, nuclear family model and re-establishing it and really ultimately all of these shows are very conservative and very active attempts to kind of reinstill conservative a conservative vision of family values um, because ultimately every single character in every one of these shows is a heterosexual and their primary interest at the end of the day is finding a suitable mate to pair up and build a family of their own. Um, Or just like there, some people have terrible families, but you can't show that in these kinds of shows. You have to be like, no, a family is everything. Well, or or you can show that they're terrible, but that they try their best. And, like, I feel like by, by way of comparison, I think the original run of Roseanne did a better job showing a family that has, you know, some complexity to it, you know, and is not the perfect model of a right-wing, like, good Christian white American family. But I think ultimately all of these shows, even Family Matters, are pretty actively conservative. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think sometimes they do depict, you know, dysfunctional families or other types of people, but they're always, like, that other family over there that, like, we're meant to kind of pity. And it's never actually the characters that we follow week to week who actually have real flaws. Like, they're always pretty conservative and on the up and up, and then there's always, like, a bad friend who shows up to, like, tempt fate, and then, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. they always make the right decision in the end. Yeah, and like tempt, I think, is a great word because all of the conflicts at the hearts of these shows, when they're not about temptation, they're about a very Judeo-Christian idea of what's right and wrong in a way that I think is just a lot more obvious to me now. I didn't feel like there was... I only watched the one episode, but it just didn't feel like there was anything black about this family. (laughs) It just felt like they were living a white suburban life. There was nothing about the black experience in this. And I think that watching it, I was thinking of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which often talks about the black experience, whether you're rich or from a more humble background. And I think Fresh Prince is an even more fascinating comparison point because like the black experience in that is not really an average one. You know, it's like the except for Will Smith's character, their family is like really fucking rich. Um, But you're exactly right. I totally agree with you that like in Family Matters, it's very clearly like only a surface level blackness. And there's nothing about their experiences in that show that are trying to depict an actual, like, experience of being Black in America. Yeah, I don't recall, obviously I don't remember it that well, but if there was ever an episode where that is even really mentioned in Family Matters, as far as I know it wasn't, and I I don't think that there were very many issue episodes isn't there one where someone gets, like, shot or something like that? I don't know. I think there might be, like, one. But yeah, in general, it's true. And I I think that that 
in some ways could be a valid choice because the pilot episode, it's not really very explicit, but there's something kind of that feels like somewhat specifically African-American about the setup and the way that the mother is moving in with them that I would have at least played differently if it was a white family. And so I think they kind of had something from the start. There wasn't much of a plot, but I think it just got totally derailed when they decided to focus on Urkel and anything that was supposed to be... I mean, the show's called Family Matters, so theoretically it was, (laughs) at one point, supposed to be centered on the family, and then just became annoying neighbor singing I'm Too Sexy was a reference I was not expecting out of this, but probably should have. (laughs) It's an annoying song and a very annoying show. The only other thing I wanted to mention about Family Matters was that I had forgotten that the episode Becky assigned also featured Steve driving a car backwards into a garage. And I was like, (laughs) was driving cars backwards into (laughs) domiciles a thing in 90s sitcoms? I guess so. (laughs) Okay, we did not actually talk too much about that in the Full House episode, but why was this car in the backyard in the first place? Like, how did it get there? Because then the plot wouldn't happen, Chris. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, especially in San Francisco. Who even has a backyard in San Francisco? A TV TV host, I guess. In this economy? No, in the <laughs> 1990s economy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so chronologically after Family Matters is uh, Dinosaurs, which premiered in 1991. Not the mama! All right, that ends right now. I have had it up to here with this not the mama. I am not not the mama. I'm your daddy. And you only get one, Buster. And that is what you're going to call me. Daddy. Now say daddy. Say daddy. Okay. All right. All right. Say da. Da. Say dee. Dee. Da. Da. Dee. Dee. Daddy! Daddy! Franny! Daddy! Fred! Daddy! He loves me! Listen to him! Daddy! 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 Not the mama! Did you guys watch Dinosaurs? I watched one act of one episode. I watched every single goddamn episode of that show. I was obsessed with it. Did you mean back in the day or for this? For this, but I assume Seth means back in the day. Back in the day, I watched the fuck out of Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I watched, I had it on. I, I turned it on and I, I had it in the background while I was doing something else. And I think like four or five episodes probably played in that time. But I kept like, you know, when you turn something on, sometimes you're like, well, when something like funny or interesting happens, I'll look up from the screen. I didn't look up from the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that moment never called to you. <laughs> the baby's gross. The baby dinosaur is gross. They're all kind of gross. There's something very Cronenbergian about this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it just like, it kind of stuns me. I guess it's not really for adults because it was TJF, but it feels like the humor is not really so much aimed at kids. Some of it is, but it, just the like the look of the show feels very like juvenile. Like the puppetry is just kind of really basic. Or the and there are, a lot, there are a lot of fluid, liquid-based jokes. It reminded me in some ways of Ren and Stimpy, although the sense of humor is incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of kind of like just gross out jokes. Yeah, I did not like it. But also like to me, what struck me was just the bizarreness of everything that it is. Like it is almost literally the Honeymooners as dinosaurs. Like it is the most 
old style, almost retrograde kind of sitcom. Like, I was going to say like the Honeymooners and the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. But it, it felt even more old fashioned than the Flintstones, weirdly enough, uh-huh. as old as the Flintstones is. Yeah, because I, I think it's the pilot where it, it's very like the wife. I don't remember the names of the characters. Do they have names? The baby is literally Baby Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. She's like, ask me what I did today. And he's like, nothing you could possibly do in your day would interest me. He's just very like... Like, it's very sexist, and I guess, like, because it's dinosaurs, it's supposed to be okay. And I think that would be a valid take if we were like, oh, we're going to depict dinosaurs as sexist because it was a long time ago. But that's not what they were doing. No, they're not doing it. It's not that clever. Like, that would actually be kind of funny, maybe, to comment on, like, past history using dinosaurs. But no, it feels a lot like the rest of these sitcoms, but that people are covered in, like, rubber instead. Jessica Walter from Arrested Development is the voice of the mom dinosaur. Oh, my God. I know. That is insane. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. I really liked the show growing up. When you said you were, it wasn't part of the shows we were going to cover, but you said you were watching some. So I was like, I'll watch some. I could only get through one act. Like, I was just annoyed. The baby was the most obnoxious part. And then the baby took over the show. Again, they Urkelized it. Yeah, it was too much. Yeah, if I had been paying attention, I I wouldn't have gotten that (laughs) far through this either. I had expected, I thought this might be actually kind of subversive and clever. I was hoping for that. Because it was so weird, I was like, well, what else could it be? Like, how could it be as banal as the rest of the shows, but also with rubber dinosaurs. <laughs> like, it, it, I was like, one or both of those things would get it canceled, surely. Um, it didn't well, last it, as long as these. And, but. like, to give it just the tiniest morsel of credit, like, while the pu- while the puppetry was very rudimentary, I did find them pretty expressive. So, again, it was like, I kind of wanted it to be something, something, anything. <laughs> but it wasn't. And yet it was still slightly more believable than Full House. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like, more I, human. I would sooner believe that that happened <laughs> than anything in Full House. Yeah, those dinosaurs could be people. Yeah, that checks out. So let's move on to Step by Step. Step by Step. Day by Day. Day by Day. Step by Step. Day by Day. Day by Day. The show was created by William Bickley and Michael Warren. It premiered September 20th, 1991, and aired its final episode on June 26th, 1998. It stars Patrick Duffy, Suzanne Somers, and a whole lot of kids. <laughs> the premise is a widowed woman and a divorced man, both who have three kids each, unexpectedly get married in Jamaica during a whirlwind courtship to the shock of all of their kids. Yeah. I, so I actually watched the pilot, which I don't think you guys did, right? I did not. I <laughs> um, didn't. It's weird. I mean, that's that, really that, weird. <laughs> that premise play like even when they have a full half hour to develop that, it's still like you did what? Like it's <laughs> very odd because um, they don't know or they like vaguely know each other, and I guess he like followed her there, which is also creepy. But like didn't tell her that, and then they got married, and then he tells her like he, that he followed her there. It's all super weird. I don't like that. The show also began with like Carol's sister and mom being major characters, hmm. and, and all and both were like 
big lady comedy, you know, like where they're like, I need a man kind of, you know, annoyingness. It's not good, but it's just like another example of these shows, like not really getting it right out of the gate and then like completely pivoting toward what they're doing. And basically, yeah, it's a Brady Bunch ripoff. Much. Are those your thoughts on the step-by-step? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so this was my favorite of these shows um, at the time. Okay. <laughs> and with the three shows we've talked about so far, this is also my favorite. I mean, faint praise. Uh, <laughs> I watched multiple episodes of this and for some reason got like super interested in the mythology the um, mythology, mythology of step-by-step. Step. So I'll, I'll go into it. Oh, some, did you read the prequel point. graphic novels? <laughs> it's actually quite intricate. I will I will share it later in our discussion. To me, this was watchable. I feel like I feel about this the way maybe some people feel about Full House. Like, I just found this, like, moderately more lifelike. Like, the characters were somewhat more relatable because they're more sarcastic and just felt more like real people. Again, this is all in comparison to other shows but i was okay watching this one while finding like it cheesy and occasionally painful i i think this could be said of almost all of the children in all of these shows but especially on step by step the kids are adorable and they are not actors they're not to me, the whole Suzanne Summers character could be just summed up as whiningly saying frank <laughs> I can hear it. It's it's literally, t- that's all that her character was to me, was being disapproving. But I do have to say, re-watching it, Patrick Duffy is the gem of this show. What? I, think I was not he's expecting the, that. I wasn't either. I think he is the only actual performer in this show. And I think he does his best, but he can't lift it. Holy God, do I disagree with that. Uh, okay. Well, Becky. Who, who is your MVP, Chris? Cody. Oh. Is it Cody? Cody. Is it Cody? Mm, yeah, well... Okay. I just wrote the actor who plays Cody is fun. I'm not saying he's going to win an Oscar or an Emmy or whatever. This show is <laughs> fun. Not fun. Oh, I'm going to say... I'm going to take that back. This show is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think compared to Family Matters, this was a breath of fresh air after that. Again, I think we have to be This clear. was The Wire. <laughs> We're, we're only comparing these to other TGIF oh, yes. shows. We're not comparing these to any shows in the universe outside of oh, this yes. program lineup. Just compared to the other shows. This was fine. I liked the actor who played Cody. I liked the actress who played Dana. I wonder why she kind of never did anything else. Yeah, um, she was, I to me, the strongest performer, I think. Yeah, I like the, the actress that played Al, the tomboy. I had a big crush on Al and still... Kind of do. <laughs> Christine wow. Locken? Yeah. That? Yeah, there's things that I was like, this is this is on in the background. It's not offense. It's not offensive. Um, <laughs> some of, you know, I did write, like, the plots are so mind-numbing of all these shows. And it, like, this, again, reminded me of Horsin' Around on BoJack. It's fine. It's, it's not good, but it's fine. I could get through two episodes. Which is saying something. Mm-hmm. I remember I always did like the amusement park roller coaster opening. It was the best opening. That of all was the best opening. I will freely agree. But it never occurred to me until much later that it made absolutely no sense that an ocean would be right next to <laughs> a roller coaster <laughs> and that that ocean is completely like, I was going to say like CGI'd, but whatever it was back then, like 
Like, is that not a real location? No. And you know what? I think the person who told me that was our friend Jan, who was on the Batman episode, <laughs> because I think she lived near that amusement park. And she's like, it's not on a beach. <laughs> wow. But yeah, if you watch that opening, the, the ocean line literally is right up next to the roller coaster. Like, that wouldn't work, that a roller coaster would be on a beach. That's pretty disappointing. I was really hoping to go there. Yeah. And the openings, there's something so dated and nostalgic for these openings where people have that moment in front of the camera. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like, it'd be funny to do that in a show today where it's completely inappropriate. <laughs> I think the closest modern version is in Wes Anderson movies where sometimes he has the slow motion with all the cast coming yeah. toward you. Yeah, I just, it's it's something that's just such, in a in a time capsule of this time, yeah. that that would be so completely wrong today <laughs> to do genuinely. You'd have to be making a comment on these things. I do it at home all the time. Do you? Yeah, I just, I take a little moment. Smile for whoever might yeah. be watching. I recommend you watch Too Many Cooks if you haven't, which is a complete parody of all yes. of these openings. Still great. Yeah. Yeah, so the episodes that you watch, Virgin Territory? Virgin Territory and Growing Up is Hard to Do, yes. Yeah, again, like, I watched both those episodes. Like, everything about it is so heteronormative and so sex-negative. Pretty specifically in support of, like, abstinence-only approaches to young kids' sexuality. Yeah, so this episode, Cody, who, like all of these shows, is, and, like, they basically all added an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. They had a dunce. Ra- ran away with the show. Uh, yeah. Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> oh, Kimmy. On Full House. Uh, obviously, Urkel. And then uh, Cody is a, like, kind of surfer duty type. I think he's in college and the rest are in high school or middle school. Mm-hmm. And calls everyone, like, little dude and things like that. And is a pretty engaging character character by the standards of these sitcoms mm-hmm. i guess like i think he was my favorite character when when it was first airing yeah now it's a little pain there's something very 90s and one of the episodes of full house did this too with like guys who were like whatever and like i don't know why that was such a thing all like of a sudden. surfer dudes yeah i don't i don't know and it where was, that came well from. and it's the kind of like weird hollywood conflation of surfer dudes and skater dudes yeah and i don't think those were exactly the same thing but like in shows like this they would always be the same it's the male version of like valley girls exactly yeah and i just i don't know why that was such a thing in the 90s but th- this episode episode did go further into talking about sex than I was expecting a TGIF show to do. I mean, because, like, the parents were always horny on this show, and I kind of remembered that. But they're married, and so, like, it was kind of surprising to see JT talking so much about his sex life, and then Cody is, it's a little contrived that he's a virgin, or just the way that it's kind of portrayed is, like Seth said, it's very um, conservative, and very, like, everyone should wait. Until you're married. There's a scene with the daughters, too, which I found actually much more disturbing just because Carol's basically like, no, you must wait until marriage. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird, like, slut-shaming of, like, the airhead daughter. The characters are all very much a type. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a one-liner kind of thing. It's like, this character is like this. And I, I did find the show a little irritating, and it's the sex roles that have signed people. Like, it was like, men are like this, and women are like this. I can't remember if it was one of these episodes, but I think it was one of these, where Frank is not supposed to eat meat, because his yeah. cholesterol is too high. And, like, Carol's role is to just be like, you can't eat that. And, and Frank! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I swear. I can hear it. I, I think half her lines are just, Frank! 
And she's like, we have all these lobsters. You're getting, you're getting lettuce. I did make note. I loved her lobster apron. <laughs> she made a tofu lobster. And was there like a weird AIDS warning at the end of this? Yes. There's a, there a very explicit oh my God, AIDS reference. I didn't, me- I didn't catch that. It's like fear mongering about like AIDS and promiscuity. If you ever have multiple sex partners. You yeah. know that the ABC people were like, if you're going to have a show that talks about sex, we have to put this at the end. Mm-hmm. It was very out of place. It, it, it surprised me. Is that all we have to say about Steph? Oh, I'm, I have my mythology. <laughs> so this uh, show had some of the more interesting guest stars of all of these shows. Uh, Andrew Keegan, Linda Cardellini, Michelle Williams, wow. Fabio. Oh, Fabio. <laughs> I do have very fond memories of when they went to Disney World. That seemed very cool. I think every show went to Disney World. Yeah. ABC. For some reason, yeah, this is the one that stands out to me. We talked a little bit about continuity in the other shows. They all have a little something that doesn't quite, you know, ring true. But this show is a fucking mess. (laughs) Like what? Okay, so the mom and the sister that I talked about get written out of the show, like disappear after season one without any explanation. The child Brendan gets written out of the show also without any explanation. They go from six kids to five? Yes. Oh my God. Cody gets written out of the show with no explanation. Wait, what? what? It's in toward the later season. So he was in trouble for domestic abuse. Oh, like in real life? Yeah. (laughs) On the show. (laughs) It was a domestic abuse. Very special episode. And like, I think was going like in and out of like legal trouble around the time. So eventually they just kind of disappeared him. And I think later he came back for like one episode and they tried to explain it. Mark, the nerdy kid of Carol's, disappears for lots of episodes and is basically not in a lot of the last couple of seasons. There's a character named Flash Gordon who moves in with them and then disappears after that episode. But he was like, appeared in like three episodes and was like brought in to be like the replacement for Cody as like the wacky character. And then written out, Bronson Pinchot (gasps) then joined the show as a character named Jean-Luc. Then also disappeared from the show oh without explanation. God. So there is like a Bermuda Triangle in this house somewhere? Yeah. Frank and Carol have a daughter who mysteriously ages five years, <laughs> like, <laughs> between, like, one season to another. And then, so all of a sudden she is, like, a, like, child who's, like, the same age as... Or, like, you know, getting closer to in age to the siblings. And there are two episodes called Can't Buy Me Love. (laughs) (laughs) Same script. They just refilled it. (laughs) We don't have a script this week. Just do it again. Just do Uh, do it again. Why don't we just run a rerun of that episode? No, we got. (laughs) Nope. We got a bunch of. We got the cast here. We got them in their costumes. So yeah, I mean, the characters just kept like appearing and disappearing. And oh, God, I watched one of the later episodes, and it, like it had the breakfast table scene, but it was like five of them <laughs> sitting around the table. Like there were so many people step missing. By step, they keep leaving. <laughs> step by step, they die. And you can swear one of them looks like they're about to cry because they see all the empty seats around the table. Why do people in our family keep getting murdered? <laughs> we don't talk about that, honey. <laughs> oh, it was. It's insane. And finally, we've reached the end of at least this episode. I mean, TGIF goes on forever. Let's talk about Boy Meets World. Thank goodness it's forever.
Boy Meets World was created by Michael Jacobs and April Kelly. It premiered September 24th, 1993, and aired its final episode May 5th, 2000. It stars Ben Savage, Daniel Fishel, Ryder Strong, and William Daniels as Mr. Feeney. Uh, I recognized him as Benjamin Braddock's father in The Graduate. Uh, the premise of Boy Meets World, the show chronicles the everyday life lessons of Corey Matthews, um, as he learns about friendship, dating, school, and family, he lives next door to his teacher, Mr. Feeney, and gets life lessons from his teacher both in and out of school. The show ran for seven seasons, and it was followed by a 2014 sequel called Girl Meets World, following Cory and Topanga's teenage daughter, and that ran for three seasons. What did you think of Boy Meets World? I really enjoyed the show when it was on. Again, can't tell if that was in any way distinguished from just the sitting down to watch several hours of <laughs> stuff. It was really just the sitting that you liked. Honestly, it was pulling up to the content trough and <laughs> just binging for a bit. Rewatching it, you can tell it's definitely a show that was made later than most of these. So it felt maybe slightly more up to date, at least visually. Um, but again, at its core, it was still kind of just as indistinguishable as anything else. Um, the only thing that stuck out to me then and now was that I really had a deep crush on Ryder Strong. <laughs> as discussed in our Teen Heartthrobs episode. I liked the show, watching it now. Again, everything's relative. <laughs> but I think this was by far the best written show and the only one that even slightly landed the emotional beats it was going for and actually felt like it had genuine characters and pretty consistent characters and who felt like they had a little bit more of a life beyond, like, hitting their mark and mugging and doing a punchline. Like, Yeah, I did. I did, like... Like Mr. Feeney, especially in that kind of relationship, there was kind of like a genuine like mentor, like teacher student relationship there. Yes. I mean, it was very depressing watching it this time and realizing that I now appreciate Mr. Feeney more than (laughs) any of the children. (laughs) I've joined the dark side. But yeah, I actually watched like, I think four episodes of this because I was just kind of curious. I aged out of it like after three or four seasons, I think. So I never knew how the show ended. So I was kind of curious just to watch it. And because more than any of these other shows, like this one actually evolves where they start in middle school and go to junior high, high school and then college there's more of an evolution and and like newer characters introduced and there there are a few episodes that hit subject matter that's like a lot more serious than i thought this show ever did so way better than the rest of these shows i think Mm -hmm. not necessarily the most entertaining or funniest but in terms of the quality of like the acting and writing i think this was by far the best yeah i agree i think this was the least grading out of all these shows we had to watch (laughs) Corey, would you just talk to me i can't Don't you think I want to? I mean, in my head, this is so easy. I've said it all summer long, a million times. Said what? I can't say it now, here, with all these (laughs) empty chairs around. Corey, it's just you and me. We've known each other our whole lives. We've always been able to talk. That's what's making this so hard now. It doesn't have to be. Look, Topanga... If I had to dream up the perfect woman, she wouldn't even come close to you. Would you be my girlfriend? Yes or no? I 
thought it was fine, but more fine than step by step. Like, it was nice to watch. And I did watch it growing up and liked it. I don't really have any nostalgia to it, though. But watching it, I was like, this is nice. Like, it's fine. <laughs> these are not these are not great compliments, but <laughs> but I, I agree. Like it's completely inoffensive, has some nice emotional moments. It's not super cheesy. It's slightly cheesy, but I, I felt like I enjoyed watching it again. It was nice to be like, oh, like it's nice to know that a show I liked when I was younger wasn't that bad. Topanga's hair is the MVP. <laughs> Topanga's hair is hair goals. <laughs> it's oh, in my mind, it's very cousin it like at times. It's so long and luxurious. Yeah. This hair. It's amazing. All encompassing. I was surprised, although I shouldn't have been, about the amount of flannel and denim. Oh, man. Like, there's shots of the whole classroom, and it's just flannel and denim, flannel and denim on every kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So we watched the episode Wake Up Little Corey, and there's some bully characters in there who are wearing, like, bowling shirts and, like, somehow have, like... Also, they're, like, from Staten Island? Yeah, like, what? (laughs) What was going on with that? Like, I was very creeped out by the bully characters here who felt like they had, like, just emerged from, like, swingers or something like that. Yeah. Where is this supposed to take place? Philadelphia, I think. Or Why do they have South Island accents? So the episode we watched um, does have a life lesson in there. And and I was actually surprised here, too, that this tackled more sexual content than I would have expected from a TGIF Mm -hmm. show, especially with like pretty young characters because they're in... They're probably freshmen or sophomores. Yeah. And, you know, talking about like, did Corey sleep with Topanga or not? For characters that young to be kind of like dealing with that on a family-friendly show seemed pretty surprising. And the show has like a kind of a mature attitude toward it where Corey does the right thing and says that he didn't. And there were a lot of episodes that dealt with kind of things like this. So yeah, what else was there? Corey drinks like later in the show when he's like breaking up with Topanga. He cheats on her with Linda Cardellini. Oh, Oh, There's an episode about sexual assault on college campuses where Mm -hmm. Fred Savage plays a professor who like makes a move on Topanga. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not The Wire, but it's... (laughs) What if The Wire was on TGI? It would go a little something like this. (laughs) Next on The Wire. Yeah, I mean, so it's not it's not like hard hitting exactly, but there are a lot of like moments where both the story and then the actors get to kind of act a lot more than you see on Full House, for example, like genuinely act like human beings, such as <laughs> actually crying or having a problem. <laughs> this show is much more mature than I was expecting. Is that all we have to say about it? That's all I have to say. This was a show that I really only appreciated, I think, for the first, like, year or two that it was on, because then I, like, was outgrowing TGIF. So, to me, this was the one that held the most surprises in store, because I really only remembered that first season, where it was kind of more of a traditional sitcom-y thing, with, like, their nerd in class, and Topanga was, like, more of a, just a, like, cheesy character, versus, like, a love interest. So, I was pleasantly surprised by this one. I can't believe Seinfeld was on at the same time as all these shows. I know. Seinfeld feels so ahead of its time in so so many ways. (laughs) I just can't believe it. I know this is not the Seinfeld episode because that was episode four. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Oh man. I remember being into film when I was pretty young and I was specifically into film because I was like TV's terrible. (laughs) 
Like, for the <laughs> most part, obviously, I had shows I liked, like The Simpsons and Seinfeld, but I was like, for the most part, TV's bad. And it was in the last 15 years where I was like, actually, TV's like the place to go now for storytelling and actors and telling interesting stories that don't have to have like giant explosions. You know, like, it's just interesting. It's still peak TV. And I feel like back then was not peak TV. Well, like, we were I getting these it kinds was of slump sh- TV. It was slump TV. <laughs> and it was like, these are the shows that were family friendly. It was just so grating. Well, and I think that shows like these and these shows in particular were the thing that got TV that reputation. You know, like, I think peak TV, prestige TV is, like, contrasted against exactly these these kinds of shows. Yeah, I mean, I think TV pretty much always had bad TV on, and probably the majority of TV was bad. Like, obviously, we remember great shows from, like, the 50s, I Love Lucy. What else was on? (laughs) We could tell you maybe a couple of things. A lot of it probably forgotten for good reason. For, I think, those first 50-ish years, the norm was more like this. And and when we watch Seinfeld now, we appreciate it. Um, But maybe even when we were doing that episode, I don't know if we appreciated it in contrast to what else was on like this like and how <laughs> let's just go back and redo it and then yeah. we can be like wow Seinfeld's very very good remember first Mulligan episode <laughs> it just puts that in context all the more in that some of this stuff passed for entertainment is just honestly kind of shocking now that like <laughs> that you could sit in front shocking. of this and feel like you had a good time like it, right and so many people did and I mean, I like I said, everyone knew that Family Matters was cheesy, Full House was cheesy. I don't think that was ever, like, a secret. Like, no one was ever, <laughs> like, openly weeping at the mm-hmm. lessons that were being learned. But they still sat there and watched it because it obviously held enough entertainment value. And now I think we can say that it does not. No, it um, does not. And there is, there's terrible TV now, but I think there's so much good TV. Like, I could recommend to you, like, 10 series in the last two years that are great and that I think can hold up, you know, hopefully in the not so just, you know, in the future. Like, I think that years from now, Handmaid's Tale, um, just like, there's so many shows now. We're we're just like, before we recorded this, I was like, did you watch this? I'm watching this now. Like, what about this show? Like, there's so much good TV that we're just, we're, we're spoiled. I think it's, it's great. And back then, this is what counted as entertainment. Like, Jesus. Our standards have have risen. (laughs) Regrettably, our standards have risen. I mean, even bad TV now looks and feels better than this, even if it's not... Oh, absolutely. ...good, but, like, the production value is better. Like, the acting is still better than Full House. I mean... Yeah. I don't think you could get away with, like, doing a show like that now. Like, there's just no way. It just feels so amateur hour. Yeah, like, compare that to, like, Modern Family, which is a big hit. No laugh track. I tuned out of Modern Family years ago, but the acting is still much better. The writing is still much better. Oh, yeah. And probably, like, The Big Bang Theory, which is not a show that I've really ever watched and doesn't have a great reputation. (laughs) Seth is shaking his head. It's no better. In fact, I I was, like, thinking earlier when we were talking about it, like, that is, I think, the direct inheritor of the legacy of, like, TGIF-level comedy. Because, like, catchphrase-wise, Bazinga, I think, is... Okay. Unless we start going into, like, Minions and what the Minions are saying, like, I think that's... (laughs) 
Fair. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't really seen it, so I would posit that it feels slightly more professional than Full House. Like Full House, honestly, just feels like everyone should be embarrassed <laughs> that they were. They're part of super that. embarrassed, and they're piles of money. <laughs> <laughs> An embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And that's all the money piles we have time for in this episode of When We Were Young. But wait, there's more. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the last year of podcasting. It's our third anniversary special. (laughs) Did we not have Jeff What's-His-Name write a theme song? Jesse? He did. Jesse What's-His-Name? He did. That was it. Oh. Jesse Jeff. Not his best. He's old. (laughs) He's really only doing the keyboard riffs now. (laughs) Yeah, so we are on our uh, third, we're ending our third year of podcasting, which is amazing. Yeah. So we have 24 more topics. (laughs) (laughs) They said it would never last. (laughs) In general, do you guys have any, like, particular um, episodes or moments from the last year of podcasting that you cherish and, or abhor? Well, my least favorite (laughs) episodes were the ones I wasn't in, because I was too busy... (laughs) Being a mom, <laughs> not busy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you you got rid of that whole being a mom thing after just two episodes. Did your baby disappear like Judy on uh, yes. Family Matters? And then she she when she comes back, she'll be a teenager. <laughs> Perfect. She just went upstairs for a bit. She's coming back down. <laughs> One of my favorite things that happened this past year is that Disclosure entered my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A movie that is just so terribly bad in every way that it was gold. It's true. Uh, I have to second that. We talk about things on the podcast, most of which are well known. um, And that just happened to fit into a theme. Like, we never would have watched that movie on its own. And so it was a shockingly pleasant (laughs) surprise how bonkers batshit that movie was. Like, I had no preparation for that. And it was just, like, a treat from the past. Yeah, I I, I think that's a really good one. Yeah, I mean, like, I loved... I mean, I always love recording these episodes with y'all, but I particularly loved, like, the American Beauty and Magnolia episodes because they were talking about things that were really meaningful in my life at the time. um, And also, like, in retrospect, very pivotal in, like, my and our tastes. But, like, watching Disclosure. (laughs) And also just, like, the theme of, like, Michael Douglas erotic thrillers was so much fucking fun. Yeah, that was super fun (laughs) this year. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite episodes that we've done as well. And I'll second Seth as well in saying that I really have enjoyed the 1999 movies episodes. Oh just because that is just such a defining moment for me. Even like American Pie, which is a different caliber <laughs> of film than the other ones that we talked about. But nope, same pantheon of cinema. It's just such a distinct moment in time for me. And like revisiting those things that did feel so momentous to me. Not at a childhood time, but as a teenager and when I I was kind of preparing, you know, to become an adult. And, and I feel like a lot of those things like really sent me off to film school and, and are the kinds of things that I carried forward. So I was really interested in that. And the Disney episodes, uh, it was kind of fun to go back and watch Disney, which I was slightly surprised by how much really? I enjoyed that. Oh, I was so looking forward to them and they were both great. 
<laughs> I just hadn't thought about Disney that much just because they're so ubiquitous. And I went back and watched every Disney animated feature <laughs> after those episodes just because I, like, I was like, well, I watched so many. I might as well just, like, mm-hmm. give them on. was just, like, really kind of fascinated by Disney and, and had a new appreciation for kind of the artistry because they're so much a part of our lives that we don't think about them artistically very often. But there actually is quite a lot of artistry to most of them. Yeah, movies. there's so much craft to them. And Disney specifically as a brand gets so tied in with childhood and now is a thing that we see as like, oh, this is a thing for children, but that made it even more interesting to kind of revisit and try to examine on all the levels of filmmaking and artistry that we've learned about since then. One of my favorite moments from the last year is Chris saying that he liked the child's play movies. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. That was a twist. No. I mean, we were we were pretty much in sync on, on <laughs> well, you liked them a lot. <laughs> you had a lot more fondness for them than I did. But yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. But that said, it's a tight race for the worst things of this year that we reviewed. I want to say it's a three-way tie between American Pie, Ren and Stimpy, and Bride of Chucky. But I think Bride of Chucky wins because I didn't finish it. <laughs> Yeah, Bride of Chucky was morally repellent. Like, I still feel, like, bile rising (laughs) in me when I think about it. It's just, like, epitomizes everything that I find terrible in the universe. Ren and Stimpy, I just flat out did not enjoy and is not for me. And I watched much less Ren and Stimpy than anything else, because I think I watched about five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And got it completely. Uh, But, yeah, I'm with, especially those, I think those too but i think bride of chucky is a distinct loser the first thing in three years i couldn't i couldn't finish i couldn't make it to the end yeah i'm i'm hard pressed to think of anything that was worse than that obviously i was not a fan of really any of the child's play (laughs) movies but that in particular i do have to say that we've covered many topics on this show that i had not watched as a child with deliberate intent (laughs) um but i often particularly have enjoyed watching those things or listening to those things for the first time. Um, Because again, it's kind of a chance to like get away from my own comfort zone and the own like tracks of my very well-worn taste in things. Is there anything that you had either not seen or didn't really remember very well that really in a non-disclosure way, like in an actually positive way that you discovered that you really liked? Yes. Rain Man. I had seen it maybe once in my life before this, but since that episode, I've watched it four times. Like I just showed it to my husband. I remember I watched it for the episode we recorded and then I rewatched it again. And then I must've watched it again like months later. And then I just recently watched it with my husband. (laughs) I really like Rain Man. (laughs) Yeah, Rain Man's the only one that comes to mind. Because again, like I I had memories of it only as a concept and only as a movie that was important to other people in my life who were grownups. A lot of the things we are revisiting in the show do tend to be things that were like in many cases oriented toward younger people, or at least in more recent memory, we've been doing those. So yeah, like Rain Man definitely sticks out as like not just being a thing that's like good for its time, but like a really great and pretty timeless movie. Yeah, for me, I mean, I definitely second that one with that because we all had no idea, I think, what to expect from that going in, and we all really liked it. Um, I think the big thing that comes for me is Bambi because I had not oh, seen yeah. Bambi since I was a kid, and yeah. I was just blown away by how beautiful that movie is, both as like a story and the animation. Yeah, I'd have to say Bambi's up there, too, now that you mention it. 
And that TGIF episode, man, that was that was some <laughs> good stuff. I don't know. That Family Matters episode is probably up there with, with Ren and Stimpy. It's just like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. All right. Well, we are going to do our <laughs> showdown, which I force Becky and Seth to do every year. It's the thing we look forward to. Well, now I do. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So as usual, we will be pairing off in a March Madness style death match <laughs> our topics until we uh, come up with the dominant topic of our past year. The Dom Top? <laughs> sure. Kicking us off is a John Carpenter double feature, Halloween versus They Live. They Live? I didn't really watch these. I was out. <laughs> they Live. Really? They live. Yes. Oh my god, you guys are crazy. I like They Live. Whatever. Um, I go with Halloween. But They Live it is, I suppose. <laughs> I watched They Live after, because I listened to your episode, Uh. And I've seen Halloween. I don't really like Halloween. So I'm going to have to go. They Live at least has some iconic. I love Halloween. Like, don't get me wrong. This is a Sophie's choice. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I just want want it to be more painful. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I wanted the pain. You always do. Child's Play versus Gremlins. Child's Play. (laughs) It's going to be Child's Play because he's not picking Gremlins. I thought that last one was tough. (laughs) I know you're not picking Gremlins. (laughs) I'm going to say Gremlins. That is the wrong choice. Uh, <laughs> it is. I know it is. Child's play. Well, I mean, the so the second Gremlins is nearly as painful as <laughs> nothing is really as bad as. <laughs> <laughs> All right, child's play. It is Goosebumps versus Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Hmm, that's a tough one because the stories are better in Goosebumps, but the artwork is great in Scary Stories. We didn't have a guest co-host for scary stories right so so there's that <laughs> i'm just saying we take all factors but it's not the episode it's the oh. it's the thing itself oh what mm. would i rather read again i guess i'm gonna go with scary stories because i'd rather look at the pictures again than read another goosebumps novel Ugh. i'll just say i go goosebumps all i'm the gonna way. go goosebumps right. i've gotta go goose I enjoyed reading those to a small extent. You know, they were yeah, they were passable. They were passable, which the stories in Scary Stories were not. <laughs> Early Walt Disney versus Disney Renaissance. <sighs> Renaissance. Gotta love my Lion King. <laughs> I, I, had a, I was pretty sure you would pick that. I've gotta say Golden Era. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, that had the most in it to me. And like I really do agree with you on Bambi. Like that one surprisingly more than held up. It, it's just really a beautiful piece of art. Fight Club versus Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire in Fight Club? <laughs> this is a tough one. What do you pick? I'd say Mrs. Doubtfire. What do you pick? Fight Club. A hundred percent. I didn't even think this would be a question. I'm going to go Fight Club. Good, mm. good choice. Mm. They're run by fruitings in <laughs> Fight Club. It's the one thing Project Mayhem never did. I, I bet they did. It was cut out. <laughs> Deleted scene. 1999 Blonde Pot Princesses versus 1994 Alternative Music. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say we're going to go with the alternative music. Yeah, sorry, Brittany. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's unanimous. <laughs> Nicktoons versus TGIF. Nicktoons. Nicktoons. A I million a Nicktoons times over. as well. Batman and Batman Returns versus Terminator and Terminator 2. Ooh. Fuck. There's, the There's a showdown. Now the long knife comes out. 
They're both an original and a sequel directed by the same director. What else do they have in common, Chris? That's it. That's it. I don't know how to choose there. That's not fair. For me, it's Batman. It's Batman. I think it's going to have to be Batman. Rain Man versus Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. Wait, how do we do that? Best picture. It's Rain Man or you get to save Saving Private Ryan and, and Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. Love. Yes. It's one ver- movie versus two movies. Oh. Savage. Ooh. This is super easy. Rain Man. Like, undeniably. Shakespeare in Love. Ugh. I go Rain Man too. Okay. It's, I'm, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Brazil versus Magnolia. Magnolia. <gasps> Both films so pivotal to my life and my own taste. You're going to pick Magnolia. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick Magnolia. Magnolia it is, yeah. American Beauty versus American Pie. Gee, I wonder. Anything versus American Pie? It's anything. It's American Beauty. Yeah. What about Bride of Chucky versus American Pie? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I think American Beauty consensus. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Last one is Speed and Speed to Cruise Control versus Michael Douglas Erotic Trilogy. <laughs> Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. I mean, I'll just say Speed just to represent my speed, but yeah. I mean, I, I love my, my Michael Douglas. All right, round two. All right. Is this entertaining for you guys still? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is they love it. They've been clamoring for it. Um, they live versus child's play. Child's play. They live. They live. Mm. Goosebumps versus <laughs> early Walt Disney. <laughs> early Walt Disney. Early Walt Disney. Are you sure? Yes, you, I'm sure. Do you want some time to think about it? <laughs> do you need to phone a friend? <laughs> yes, I agree on that assessment. Fight Club versus 1994 alternative music. Alternative music. Alternative music. Yeah, yeah. Nicktoons versus Batman. <laughs> Batman Returns. Batman. The Batman. <laughs> Agreed. Rain Man versus Magnolia. 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 American Beauty versus Michael Douglas Erotic Trilogy. Oh. Oh, no. That's uh, a tough one. You know what? American Beauty. <laughs> We're still here. We're just thinking. I'm going to go for what held more surprise for me michael douglas erotic trilogy i respect that i'm still going with of course you are of course you are that ends round two we are on to round three they live versus early walt disney walt disney (laughs) they live consume early walt disney for me 1994 alternative music versus batman and batman returns fuck batman there were eras of alternative music that I think hold more resonance for me, there are not eras of Batman <laughs> that mean more to me. So Batman. I also choose Batman as, as sad as I am to get rid of yeah. so much good music. And there was so much in that episode. There was mm-hmm. more in 94 than I remembered there being, but yeah. Last one, Magnolia versus American Beauty. Flower showdown. I don't even have to ask. You are picking Magnolia. I'm gonna say Magnolia. It's, it's Mags. It's gonna be Mags. <laughs> it's my buddy Mags. I'm going to go with American Beauty, but I mean, I they you don't are both. Want to. You want to go to the Magnolia? Well, both. I want to save them. Guess what? It's going to be Mags. It's going to be Mags. <laughs> exactly. So we have a three-way showdown. <laughs> it was headed for this. 
<laughs> it was always headed for this. Early Walt Disney versus Batman and Batman Returns <laughs> versus Magnolia. What? Early Walt Disney versus Magnolia versus Batman? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, I would like to remind our audience that last year we had a three-way showdown and we each picked something different. Yes. <laughs> And did Seinfeld still triumph over them No, all? I think we picked our individual three things over Seinfeld. So yeah, first year was Seinfeld. And then the next one was a three-way tie between Showgirls, Seth's pick, Jurassic Park, my pick, and The Simpsons, uh-huh. Becky's pick. <laughs> and, and now we have, wow. we have to narrow it down. All right. Does anybody know their answer? It's real tough. It's real tough. All right. Disney. Wow, really? Yeah. I obviously love all these things, but I think there's something just so pure and artistic and beautiful and timeless about. Early Disney. Versus Batman. Batman. Batman We'll be here all night. (laughs) And Magnolia. Magnolia. I could easily make a case for any of these because each of these things were like so pivotal to me at slightly different times in my life. Each of them were so formative in the turns that my life has taken since I first encountered them. I would have to say Magnolia because Magnolia had the most direct impact on the course that my life took both in terms of where I've chosen to live, the idea of wanting to make movies, and the kinds of movies that like I wanted to move to this place to learn how to make. Yeah, I would have to say Magnolia. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Are you going to pick Batman? <laughs> Another three-way tie? I think I'm going to pick early Walt Disney. <gasps> what? I know, like, it, it's kind of what Becky said. It's just that, for one, it's like five pretty iconic movies and just so influential. Like, they were the first animated movies ever. I have really enjoyed revisiting these movies and kind of rediscovering, especially in light of the shit that Disney's making mm. now. <laughs> it's been delightful to, you know, remember that it was once so much purer and better. It is, it's very hard for me to kill Batman. Um, yes, it's very hard to kill Batman. He's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> because that was so important to me. But yeah, I think in terms of artistry, I have to go with early Walt Disney. And I, I obviously love Magnolia as well. And for the same reason that Seth does, um, that and American Beauty both, to me, were so influential on just me wanting to make films and, and feeling inspired by what film can do but yeah so i'm I'm going disney so jurassic park or disney because if it's between the simpsons and early disney it's still the simpsons if i'm jurassic park (laughs) (laughs) what did did you say (laughs) jurassic park (laughs) wait what are we choosing between now your pick last year what was my pick last year showgirls versus magnolia The epic showdown we've all been waiting for. <laughs> now I am going to have a stroke. 
Wait, why isn't Nomi just one of the pedals on the Magnolia? Like, we need her to be included in that. I want to see the screaming match between Julianne Moore and Elizabeth Berkley. <laughs> I feel like we've all been. I want to see uh, Frank T.J. Mackey seduce Nomi. <laughs> and then she gets out of it. She would seduce. He would seduce. She would destroy. She would throw up on him. <laughs> This was fun. Definitely going to say Magnolia. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think showgirls can beat Magnolia, even for ironic love. All right. Well, (laughs) this this year, the the champion is early Walt Disney. Yeah. So go Disney. (laughs) (laughs) What an underdog story. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, the little guy wins one. (laughs) And that's all the bracket showdowns we have time for in this episode of When We Were Young. On our next episode... We don't know what we're doing on our next episode because, dear listeners, we're actually going to take a little bit of a break. We got jobs. We got babies. We got lives. We want to see some recent stuff, too. (laughs) So we're going to take a little bit of a break. Maybe six months. Maybe a little less. Maybe a little more. We'll still be out there on social media. So please follow us and tell us what you want us to cover when we come back. I believe today we got two recommendations for Indiana Jones and Back to the Future. We'll throw those on the pile and we'll miss you. And we have many, many episodes that you can re-listen to. And I want you to trust me that they're just as good the second or third time. Yeah, they really are. I hope we use this time in our hiatus not only to lead something approaching functioning lives, but also to promote the many wonderful episodes that we've made so far. If you have not listened to every episode of the show, as our dear Kiwi listener Paul has, we really urge you to revisit our revisitations. I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, the Showgirls one, I'm erect, why aren't you erect? That's probably my favorite. That's a good one. Yeah, that's out there. The erotic trilogy, that's another good one. Mm-hmm. Apparently all the bad eroticism is our is our favorite stuff. <laughs> Awkward horniness, I think, is really our wheelhouse. Yeah, and maybe check out the classic Golden Age of Disney episode that was the winner of this year's bracket. Indeed. The When We Were Young podcast is a production of the MFP Studio Studio in Los Angeles, California. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast product. You can tweet us at www.yshow or follow us on Facebook as well. I've been Seth Pearson. I'm Becky. And I'm the baby. Gotta love me. I do not have to love you. (laughs) 